Welcome to the JetRails podcast, supporting you through the airwaves with information about website and e-commerce technology and strategies from design and development to security, marketing, conversion rate optimization, and web hosting. We bring you insights from industry leaders and experts hosted, edited, and published by me, Robert Rand, your friendly neighborhood tech ambassador. Hi, and welcome to an episode of the JetRails podcast. I'm Robert, your host, and today we're going to be talking about increasing your traffic to your e-commerce website, about how to drive traffic from some major places like Google and Instagram, how to really drive more sales through that process, <laughs> not just bringing people, but uh, bringing shoppers that, that will turn into customers. And uh, with no further ado, I I'm joined today by Tony with the sales and orders team. Now, Tony, would you do the honor of introducing yourself? Sure, of course, Robert. How you doing? Hey, everybody. Uh, Tony Capitol, I'm the VP of Marketing and Partnerships over here at Sales and Orders. And uh, we are an end-to-end e-commerce marketing solution. We help uh, e-commerce merchants really of any size or shape uh, effectively list, market, and advertise their products on the digital shelf space. And, and like, and Robert, as you said, it's, it's on channels like Google, Microsoft, ads, um, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, and Pinterest, right? Um, and we're kind of a mix between a MarTech solution where we have our uh, our platform that's fully integrated with like platforms like BigCommerce and Shopify and Magento. Um, and then we can support merchants really across any platform, really. And then we have this incredible team of dedicated specialists and we're helping merchants grow. Um, you know, we just this year, uh, we're, we're now supporting over 13,000 merchants on our platform. Over 13,000. You know them all personally by name, though. That's the important part. <laughs> well, some of them I do, some of them do have my cell phone number. So they do. <laughs> I am on speed dial. So they we're we're going to be putting of... that on the video. It's going to be in, in, in a running banner uh, in this section of the episode. Please, please call me, text me. Just just, just not late to dinner. That's, that's all I ask. <laughs> <laughs> if episode, anyone that's, that's watching or listening hasn't figured out yet that we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> or if, if not, I'm going to get a surprise knock on my door later. <laughs> Uh, it might be a 12-hour drive or 20-hour yeah, drive. We're not going to tell yeah, everyone exactly how day, far apart we you know, are. I'm not uh, jumping on a plane, but I, 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 might, I might hop in a car to come take a visit there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been a while since we really got to catch up. Yes, but yes. I, you were on my show first, actually. I, I was, actually. I was, which, which was a pleasure. We had a lot of fun for anyone that, that hasn't caught it. I'll share a link in the notes for this one. It was pretty, Please. pretty awesome. Um, so... You know, if a merchant is hasn't had a big history of selling through some of these uh, digital marketing channels, from your perspective, where are some of the best places to start? You mentioned a lot of different channels, uh, a lot of different platforms that you can advertise through. Where would you normally recommend that people begin the journey? Sure, of course. So, I mean, look, everybody, regardless of what channel you're going to select or if, you know, depending on if you're in between deciding between whether it's search commerce, like for search and uh, search engines like Google or Microsoft or, um, you know, social commerce or S commerce, like Facebook, Instagram, uh, even Snapchat and Pinterest, right? Um, every merchant needs to start out with one thing and that's a product feed. Sometimes it's a feed or sometimes it's often called a catalog as well, but it's essentially just a, uh, a way of collecting your product data and sending it out to these channels. And that is the, uh, very much the lifeblood of advertising campaigns and driving traffic through these uh, different channels. Um, and and when you think about listing on these channels, you have to think about what these channels, like the purpose of the channel, right? Search uh, search engines like Google, 
these are very intent driven channels, right? It's based on keywords. Shoppers are, are, are searching very specific criteria, right? They might be saying, hey, I'm looking for a gray collared shirt, men's, you know, size large, right? And if they're putting that into, into the search uh, field, channel, uh, you know, channels like Google and Microsoft Bing, they're matching that query to different ads that, that obviously merchants are pushing out there. So, you know, you're targeting a different type of audience. Whereas on social, it's t- typically more contextual, right? It's based on um, uh, demographics or, and, and often there's a lot of machine learning in the background here. It could be things like gender or, or age groups or um, even looking at like uh, topics or interest, right? So it's very different type of targeting. I think most merchants these days, the, some of the easier platforms to really get started out with are, are most definitely, you know, Google Shopping and Microsoft Bing, which uh, operate very similarly, right? They have shopping campaigns, which are targeted product ads that show up on, on the search engines. They go right to your site and they can check out on those sites. And then there's, you know, I think from there, most merchants want to segue into like Facebook and Instagram. And even with iOS 14 and 14.5, the, the the performance hasn't really adjusted much, right? We still see merchants, you know, for example, in the auto parts industry that are just crushing it. They're doing an over 10, 20 times return on Facebook advertising, right? And then I think slowly but surely, you start to segue into some of the nuanced S-commerce channels like Snapchat and Pinterest and exploring other opportunities, maybe even getting into TikTok, which is, you know, starting to grow. Um, and really, Robert, kind of also based on industry, right? If you're selling a lot of brand name goods or products that are, um, uh, you know, are recognizable or are, are very common, uh, you know, commonly found, you know, when you're searching online, search channels like Google and Microsoft are just, just that's where you're going to want to go to, right? Um, if you sell things like custom goods or, or obscure items or a lot of apparel and accessories, even fragrances, right? Um, these do incredibly well on social beauty products do unbelievably well on social channels like facebook and instagram where you can do things like dynamic product ads and then you also have shops so there's native checkout solutions on these channels as well interesting and you know brings to mind there's a lot of categories to break down in regards to you know figuring out where your audience is and at what point they're going to be moved by something you know, it doesn't mean that someone that's on LinkedIn doesn't want to smell better and get right, get good right. fragrance, but that exactly. it might not really be the the right time and place to uh, to get in front of them. Are there a lot of product categories that that you find that people try to launch campaigns, but they're they're verboten? They're not uh, allowed to run ads or, or campaigns. For, oh yeah, of course. You know, there's do a you lot run of into, it... to a lot of frustration around that. So I mean. There are restricted categories, right? There's just a blanket, you know, we're talking things like firearms, um, uh, high risk products such as, you know, CBD or cannabis products, for example. These are just just generally restricted by most, if not all, ad platforms. Um, there are, it, it can be also tough it, depending on, on how you're structuring your product data. If you're in the vitamin and supplements industry, and these can be a lot harder to get approved by these channels just because, uh, when you go through and they're they're diagnosing product data and they're looking at things like your product description, there are certain like chemicals or ingredients that are included in different products. They 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 send off warning signals right on these channels, right? But then if you if you're smart about optimizing and cleaning your data, you know you can get through past a lot of these checkpoints and you can still list on this, right? But there there's a there's just a number of different categories that. Um, it's a lot more difficult for these merchants to advertise, right? But there are other opportunities for them to leverage, um, such as affiliate marketing, right? And getting outside and, and thinking about 
uh, content marketing and, and influencer marketing as opposed to just focusing on like PPC or, or, or SMM, right? Makes, well, makes sense. And, you know, I, I've seen others that have come up in the last couple of years. There are a lot of networks that didn't want folks selling, I don't know, masks, face shields, whatever the, yeah. the latest was. And maybe that was partly because they didn't want to be responsible for quality control issues. And maybe it's also because they just didn't want to be blanketing their users with uh, with things that, that had to do with topics that they didn't want to be thinking about. <laughs> and they wanted to be more about uh, safe space in terms of content yeah. to to alleviate what, what was yeah, happening like in the real too world. Much, too much, right? But yeah. you're absolutely right. That, that came up um, throughout COVID, right? There were uh, a number of different restrictions that actually put on things like, again, masks and, and, and PPE, right? Uh, PPE, yes, but PPE, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm trying to make, make sure I have that acronym, right? Uh, but yeah, there were restrictions put on that because, uh, again, like you said, I think it was also like a regulatory issue at the, at the same time, but also because um, it was tough because there were, it, uh, in the industry, there was a lot of undercutting. There was a lot of price gouging. Right, and these 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 channels are very very protective of not just the merchants, but they're also incredibly protective of the customers. Right, it's all about putting their the the search community at first. Right, they're putting consumers first, and they want to and and things like you know again like the the California Consumer Protection Act, like all these different regulations are starting to come in, and they're 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 adding new layers of security that that these different channels want to pass forward to uh, the consumer. So that was that was rampant amongst uh, 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 2020, but that's actually been relaxed now. A lot of that is is not an issue anymore. Hmm. Interesting how how these things keep evolving, you know. And look, consumers aren't shy about calling out the platforms when they don't like what they see. Uh, <laughs> in reality, you know, consumers are the product for these platforms, yes. right? You know, so if people don't want to, you know, see ads, if they're going to use ad blockers, if they're going to stay off of a platform, whatever it is, the platform doesn't win. So it's in their best interests to, you know, to, to keep users happy. And so, you know, stage one, you mentioned, get the feed up, get yep. the get the product data somewhere where you can advertise it and, you know, figure out in this case, you know, where the, the best audience is that it's going to potentially convert, uh, that you're going to get the right people at the right time in the right network that, that's at the right fit. Uh not too difficult from a high level, but takes a little bit of brain power and sometimes I imagine uh, some testing. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you know, you don't always know what the major winner is going to be. You make assumptions, you have on a hypothesis, but reality can be different. And also because these platforms, uh, I suppose, have different bidding strategies and things, different competition. So even though one might seem like a better fit, you might get a much better uh, row as a much better return on ad spend on another. So it starts with getting the feed over, but then what goes into actually optimizing, you know, so let's say you're going to get your product data over to, you know, to Google systems or Facebook systems into Google Merchant Center or what, what's next? Sure, of course. So, uh, I mean, let's take Google Merchant Center, for example, right? Because, I mean, when you look at it, um, let me, let me pinch you a picture here, right? So we have, let's say we have a big commerce merchant, right? Or a Magento merchant, right? Um, Let's say they interact with an app like ours. Uh, we're connecting directly through API to their products, and we're ingesting those products and we're pushing them out to these these ne- these networks and these channels, right? So if we're sending out products, so let's say Google Merchant Center, there is a there is first of all a time delay. There's at least three to five business days where Google's got to uh, uh, 
review your product data and, and approve it. But once you reach an approved state, you be, you can begin leveraging things. And this is new for Google, but free product listings. So if you just enable this program within Merchant Center, you can list your products on Google Search and Shopping um, entirely free. There, there's no there's no cost per click or anything associated with this. Um, Google, the pandemic accelerated Google's plans to do this, and they brought this you know uh, probably about two to three years, I'd say, um, sooner than they would have. Um, you can also run shopping ads on Google. So these are campaigns that you would build within Google ads and they're, they're product-based. So they're based on your actual products in your product catalog. Um, and this is if you're searching on Google and you search for, let's say, you know, uh, men's gray uh, collared shirt, all those little image ads that appear at the top, those are Google shopping ads. And those, well, are, your bread and, those are your bread and butter. Yeah, they're typically going to convert better because the shopper can see the picture of the item, the price, who they're going to be potentially buying it from. And if none of that stuff is a match, <laughs> they can see, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, review data about uh, the, the merchant themselves, that sort of thing that if this isn't something that they're interested in, they're not going to click, it's not going to cost you any money. So there's intent already to purchase that's a lot stronger yes. than a text ad or, you know, Absolutely. or maybe some other kind of ad. Yes, but even then, text ads are kind of like a they're they're another layer that you can add to this, right? And 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 it's a, but that's a whole other you know set of criteria and way of building, way of optimizing. I mean, the core of of getting onto these channels and making sure that your products are are searchable or findable, but optimizing your product data. For, you know, for really like stages, get your product data out there. Review the diagnostics or the information that school that that a channel like Google is saying. You know, if you even if your products are approved. You want to start looking at how can I improve my product titles? How can I improve my product descriptions? Product type. Big secret out here, guys. Key it on this one. Product type. It's an attribute that's common in that you'll see on Google. You'll see in all these channels, right? But it's the one extra outside of your titles and descriptions that is probably like third as far as importance goes. Um, and it's really just a category for your product. Um, and if you're optimizing this data... And then you're creating campaigns, and then you're optimizing the campaigns based on profitability, right? You're focusing on the, on your top drivers, which, and then sometimes there there can be this eighty twenty rule, right? That eighty percent of your, you know, twenty percent of your products drive eighty uh, percent of your revenue, right? But it's all about data driven insights here, focusing on what products are driving the most revenue and what products are driving the most profit profitability at the end, and then doing thing, things as such as increasing your bids restructuring, adding new campaigns, maybe creating like a top performers campaign and only focusing on the core set of products or putting priority on those products to drive more revenue or top line revenue. And then you can begin to supplement in um, additional opportunities, you know, such as remarketing. Um, you could even, uh, and as you're branching out to other channels, right, you include social commerce like Facebook and Instagram, you do dynamic product ads. The nice thing about that, it's all machine learning based. There's not so much uh, human interaction, but there's a ton of opportunity to reach shoppers when they're contextually driven, right? They're focused on their their social network or they're catching them at micro moments where, and as you said, all these different, you know, times and places and, and, and behaviors, right? We kind of like have become accustomed to calling these micro moments. And if you can begin to reach consumers in all these micro moments, you stand a greater opportunity of obviously drawing them in. And as long as you have a, a great site, um, and this is the very end, tail end. You can drive all the traffic you want, Rob, but if your uh, site's not optimized, your checkout's not optimized, if you're not focused incredibly on, on CRO or conversion rate optimization, all that ad spend and all that optimization on your ad side of things, driving traffic will be all for naught. 
Yeah. I mean, that's, we get a lot of people coming over to us at JetRails looking for you know speed optimization. And right now with core web vitals and all that, you yeah, know, big, sure, big sure. topic. And look, you know, you can drive, you know, you can run a really great marketing campaign, but if your site doesn't perform, or if it can't handle the traffic, if you don't have the scalability, things like that, that everything breaks down. We know that, you know, hosting is one area, <laughs> you know, we hosting, know that yep. d- the design itself and how mobile friendly and, uh, you know, and, and cohesive it is and, and what kind of trust you can build with the shopper quickly on the site is also going to equally without good designers, developers that, uh, as, as I always say in e-commerce, it takes a village. <laughs> yep, There's absolutely. A lot of things that have to come together, as well as you have to have the right pricing and things. People on the internet, they're going to price shop pretty quickly. So, absolutely. You, and you, know. you look at Google, and that's that's a comparison shopping engine, right? There, yeah. there, there's there's a lot of you know obviously the one to one of of clicking on an ad and going to the store and making a purchase, right? But there's a ton of comparison shopping in that too, right? You're you're if your price points are wrong. Right. If you don't offer things like free shipping and or or if you're you're not charging tax, right? There's just the, the certain things that that uh, universally speaking for e-commerce merchants are are ultimate drivers from the consumer's eyes, right? If if you don't have fast and free shipping, if you're not uh, priced competitively, or if you don't offer something like some kind of customer loyalty or or way of of connecting with the consumer at like an emotional level once they reach your site. Um, again, there's 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 only so much that your advertising is actually going to do for you. Yeah, I was talking with a merchant recently who was having some issues with uh, with getting the right return on their ad spend, and they're running ads in Google and Facebook in a number of places, and they've got their you know email campaigns and and all sorts of things queued up. And you know, I took a look at the site, and I said, okay, you know, the pricing on these products. It was um, map pricing. The manufacturer had set the pricing, sure. so they couldn't discount it any further. So I said, great, you know, you're driving the traffic, but people are finding it for the same price everywhere else. You know, aside from looking at what you can do to improve your marketing, get a loyalty program, give them some reward points. Yeah. So, hey, they'll get, you know, they'll get points with you and not someone else. That's a win. Yeah. Um, what are you ahead. doing differently? Yeah, like, g- give them a freebie are... product right. with it, you know, that... that uh, yeah. You know, so that they get, I don't know, free, you know, hat with it or something, keychain, exactly. anything. So they feel like they got to win. Uh, offer, you know, 3% of the of the, the gross or, or, or 10% of the net or whatever it is, is going to go to a charity that aligns with what you're doing. That's going to tug at the heartstrings a little bit, which is good for the world and, you know, yes. in general. So I... Uh, and there are some great tools out there right now that's, you know, conversion rate yeah. optimization outside of, again... Sales and orders, we're, we're top of funnel, right? We're the drivers. We want, we we're trying to get as much traffic at a, at a profitable rate to your store. And there are just all these other great sources. Obviously, you know, having incredible hosting, you know, through a uh, a, a source like JetRails is, is crucial, right? Site speed, as you said, core web vitals. But, and you brought up charity. I mean, there's just, there's these awesome uh, platforms and tools out there that, that just make that seamless. Um, and you can even hand select what charities you want to donate to, or give your merchants the opportunity to select which charities you want to open up to. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, the consumers. I'm not, not the merchants. <laughs> no, I, you know, and I think it, it's interesting. You know that so much of this is data driven in what you're doing. I imagine that the, when new clients come on the platform, that a lot of them get their data kicked back. I've seen. Any number of reasons that platforms like Google Merchant Center will will not approve product data. The, the list goes on and on. It might be that the they're missing product photos for items or that the photos are low quality. Missing it might photos. Be they're missing it, attributes. I mean, you know, you want to sell a shirt, but 
You don't have the right uh, attribute that says whether it's for men or women or unisex or whatever. Google doesn't know how to advertise it. They don't know when to show it and when not to. They're not going to show it. Uh, yep. They've actually relaxed these restrictions so much. So over time, they used to be they were a lot more stringent, right? There was you there were required attributes, but things like even things like your GTINs, the UPCs, and EANs and JANs or ISBN codes, um, those specific for books, but um, gender, uh, age group, size, like you mentioned, color, a lot of the attributes are no longer required. They're they may be required for certain. Um, so if, even for apparel and accessories, right? They are still very much. But then they're they're optional for other categories. So while they're while they've been a lot very stringent for a number of years, it's as of again as of COVID and the pandemic, they've started to relax hmm. more and more. They're they're even relaxing on the things that you know a lot of times with Google Merchant Center, uh, if you're doing something that's blatantly wrong or or, or not a, not a, a a policy violation, right? You can have your entire Merchant Center account suspended. Um, and you have to go through this very extensive process of getting your your merchant center uh, reapproved, but um, they're even beginning to relax those as well, like requiring things as like your uh, additional contact information from your store listed on your site. The the the, the uh, you used to have to have all the types of payments that you would accept on the store. The, those are starting to just become less yeah, and less. I know that they were requiring privacy policies, return policies, all sorts of things that. Yeah, you, you would get shut down if you didn't meet the base requirements yes. because they didn't want to be a part of advertising for someone that wasn't going to be transparent about, you know, what was going to happen once the user had started to enter information or make a purchase or anything else. It's still about protecting the consumer, right? They're, as much as they want to protect the merchant, right? And they want to give the merchant, you know, quality of life uh, for advertising on these platforms or listing these products on these these platforms, the, 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 the channels themselves are still hyper, hyper uh, sensitive to, to uh, the safety and security of the consumer. Um, and there's more of this coming out, right? Arkansas just la- just released, um, well, I guess it's the end of this month will be the um, a, a, a new marketplace uh, inform act, right? And now marketplaces like like buy on Google for Google Shop, Google Shopping's native checkout, even Amazon, right? They're going to be requiring uh, merchants to provide more information um, to, so that they can begin to you know, pass that to the consumer, right? And now it's a new uh, act that they have to follow. Um, it is an Arkansas state act, but, you know, you're starting, we just saw this, you know, uh, Google sending out emails to merchants, you know, informing them that, that policies are changing for buy on Google, right? And now that when buy on Google merchants log into Merchant Center, they have to go in and start providing more information to, to be provided to the consumer. So, um, and we've seen this happening, like CCPA, you saw this in the EU with GDPR. Um, and I think these regulations are just going to continue. I think statewide regulations are going to continue. Yeah. The Ma- as much as release digital sales tax, I mean. Yeah, I mean, personally, I, I like a lot of regulation being local, but I think that this is going to get harder and harder for the merchants. And at some point, we're going to have to figure out more blanket <laughs> rules and regs that we can all live by across yep. the internet versus trying to make, you know, because internet sellers, by nature, they want to sell to all these places yes, and yes. trying to live by, you know, yeah, that whether it's the data privacy, whether it's the marketplace taxation rules, whether it's, there's so many, you know, rules that are just coming out out, out of the, uh, uh, you know, the different states and, and countries yeah. and what have you. It's it's going to get burdensome over time, if, if not already. Uh, so, you know, th- I, I'm going to look at this a little bit differently. There are lots of folks that are successful in running these campaigns and that, you know, they keep chugging along and they're really happy. They're getting good return on ad spend. 
tell me a little bit about the folks that don't have that kind of success. They sign up, they get a feed set up. Let's assume that they they meet the base requirements of the feed. They they do some basic things. We've already touched on a couple of things like, hey, look, you know, if their prices aren't good, these are internet shoppers. It takes them a few seconds to price shop. That's probably, you know, g- going to be painful if they can't at least be semi-competitive in that, in both the, the product pricing and the shipping pricing and such. Sure, of course. But what are some other reasons that, that you see that merchants commonly have challenges in running these kinds of campaigns, running ads in all these different networks? Uh, I'll tell you, the number one challenge is conversion tracking, right? Uh, and I, I, I'm not even sure why. I'm missed to not have said this previously, right? But if you're not setting up conversion tracking on your site, you'll never know if you're performing or not. Or even more so, if, you're, if the conversion tracking is not right, you're not installing your Google Analytics codes, your Bing UET codes, your uh, Facebook pixels, even you know your Snap pixels, right? If these are not implemented correctly, then the data might be wrong. You might, you might not be, be able to collect transactional information based on the consumer behavior on your site. Um, that bar none, Sorry, uh, top of mind, right? Almost every time a merchant comes in and works with us, right, we have to either help them set it up or even fix uh, previously uh, in previous implementa- implementation that wasn't working right. Wow, um, that I, is common amongst all merchants, I'd say. I wonder has uh, GA four Google Analytics four thrown any any issues into the mix, uh, or it's just the a same little old- bit? A little bit. I'm st- me personally, just as a marketer, I'm I'm married to traditional UA analytics. Like I love universal analytics. I I, I haven't really gotten into use. Uh, well, uh, A4 if you're not tracking with with se- with external apps, uh, you know that you're also trying to track traffic across or Internet of Things kind of you know headless things. Yes. Other because that's the beauty of Google Analytics Four is that you can track across these different kinds of platforms. But if you're really trying to track, you know, a main website. Yes. Yeah, that the traditional, you know, it's it's going to do its job, the universal analytics. I think I'm going to throw a PSA in here for our listeners. GTM, not GMT, not Greenwich Mean Time, GTM. Google Tag Manager. Manager, yeah. You add this one code to your site, and then you don't need your developers to keep heading in there because yes. now you log into Google Tag Manager and you add the new tags. So yes. you spin up a new Snapchat campaign, you need some new new tracking code. You don't need your devs to go and make a change to your your production, your live Correct. website. You just need to log into Google Tag Manager and add the new tag in there, and it automatically is going to be embedded in in the site. Yep. Um, you know, so you can make your life a little bit easier. If I know that for a, a lot of folks that that's been a challenge for marketers is that they're often waiting on a developer um, to be yes. able to get the tag in the correct place, working right, all that. It's nice to try to pull that back a little bit closer to the marketers, um, to those that are comfortable with it. And I found that that's been uh, a big help in the last few years at at getting more folks to be able to better implement tracking faster and easier, not to be stuck on that, not to be running campaigns blind, not knowing which ads, which keywords, which which platforms, which times a day, which users, all that, you know, all that juicy data on which ads are converting. You yeah, know, of course. The only way to make these campaigns work well is to identify what's working and get rid of the rest. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, like you got to think about it. Like most e-commerce stores have five, six, somewhere it's up up to seven or eight tags um, that are just the natural ones that every even non-e-commerce businesses will have. Um, and GTM uh, Tag Manager just is like a container. Right. It's just a way to to add all those into a single line of script and the script actually 
pushes those out. What I also would recommend is if if a if you're ever wondering what's if there's something wrong, right, or you want to make sure that your tags are firing correctly, right, things like Tag Assistant, you know, Chrome extensions, right, Tag Assistant, Pixel Helper, um, you know, these these tools. Uh, if you you know you scroll up to the the corner of your your Chrome tab here and 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 you want to make sure that your site's firing correctly, you know, cue that up. Run the enable, the record, or or or, or just did the check. Refresh your browser, and it'll tell you things like Google Analytics is firing correctly. Uh, you have more than one Google Analytics tracking code on your site. Why is that, right? And maybe there might be a good reason, um, but a lot of times, what happens if you have too many codes, or you have the codes overlapping each other, they they war, they fight with each other. Um, I've actually seen pretty common where, and this is I think happens because you know Facebook Business Manager is is a is a complex tool but you know once you really get down into it it's 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 relatively simple um but many times where merchants are setting up facebook campaigns and they have two three four pixels on their site and especially now that uh facebook's kind of there's a lot of changes going on with that you got to make sure that it's that it, you're cleaning that up right you want one pixel you want to set up um at max eight conversion events now and they're all tied to one pixel, though. But you want to make sure that thing that you're you're tying it to a specific event. And like as you said, in, anal- in Google Analytics, is another way of doing this is setting up conversion goals and setting the criteria for what happens. Right, a consumer reaches this point in the journey. Right, they've reached checkout, and we know that they were firing a goal or a transaction off of a particular time that they hit a page. Right, and then Google Analytics obviously passing about transactional data beyond that, like sales, revenue earned. Um, so these tools will help you understand if the, if there's something broken or just something amiss. Absolutely, and yeah, I did notice uh, some time ago that your team had also been doing a little bit of work in the affiliate space. And I know that you mentioned earlier in the episode uh, affiliate, is, especially for those that can't run, you know, in some of these ad networks. How has that space been evolving? I know that even when it comes to things like influencers, which are often tied in with affiliate, mm-hmm. because that's that's how you, in many cases you track the success uh, of an influencer campaign. It's with affiliate links and other things, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and affiliate coupon codes and such. How, you know, if, if I know influencers kind of, you know, reached a bit of a, a peak and then people, you know, consumers started to fire back a little bit against that trend about, you know, why are people buying this just because so-and-so got paid to say it was good and they isn't even using the product themselves. and um, how is affiliate doing at this point? How important is it to the overall landscape? Because I know, I mean, aff- affiliate's not for everyone because in order to be good at affiliate, you really have to be able to offer an, you know, uh, something that enough people want with mm-hmm. enough margin to be interesting to the affiliates for it to be worth their time for them to be advertising it. So, you know, when you get too niche or, uh, you know, too small margin or something else that, uh, that often it, it just doesn't align. But what's your current, 30,000 foot view of the affiliate space. Look, I mean, I think it's a space that is 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 ripe for disruption, right? It's a it's a 20, 30 year old industry that um, there's a lot of great players out there. there there's are there, there's tools like a winch and share sales. Um, there's obviously we have our our affiliate uh, marketing tool set within our platform. Um, but it's it, it can be and and we've we've and I've shown that we've proven this right it, it, it can be an incredibly lucrative uh, opportunity. Um, I think you need to have a couple things in place, right? First of all, uh, like you said, you need to have uh, a good understanding of your product base, right? You need to know what products are high margin enough to be able to not only 
uh, expense out for your existing marketing uh, opportunities, but also, you know, the, the, the commission or like typically a rev share that you're giving out to influencers or your affiliate partners, right? Um, you also want to be able to build your own publisher network. So you need to have the right tools in place to do all that, right? It's not necessarily about um, the type of product or um, even the influencers that you're partnering with or, or the, the channels or the, the, the affiliate networks that you're partnering with. It's really about having the right tool set, uh, proper tracking, uh, being able to measure and uh, 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 gauge uh, transactional activity, and then also just having a way to simplify uh, the the process of, of of paying your affiliate partners, right? Being able to have like this native cha- um, uh, commission payout uh, system, right? And we've kind of been working towards solving a lot of these these nuanced problems that merchants are still facing these days. Um, I do believe. That it's an incredibly lucrative opportunity. Like I said, I think again, you need to have the right partner to do it with, and then you need to find the right uh, affiliate uh, marketing opportunities, right? Um, you know, for example, on our end, we uh, we do a lot of comparison shopping, right? We work with a comparison shopping service out uh, for the for Google in the EU. We're one of the very few comparison shopping partners for Microsoft advertising, and we're kind of changing the way that we think about uh, affiliate marketing if it's just based on influencers or publishers. Uh, we're actually creating the publisher opportunity on our end for our merchants, and you know, just as of this year, we're 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 driving. Um, I think today we've driven over uh, 1.8 million dollars in sales just from affiliate marketing alone. We've only just gotten started in this space, and uh, it, it's it's a huge opportunity. Um, millions of products listed through our our network uh, right now, um, and I think there's there's going to be more opportunities as time goes on to to leverage affiliate marketing. Um, I think it's great for the the beauty space. It's great for the fragrances space. It's it's ex- it's actually it, you know another uh, auto parts, um, really really strong category for affiliate marketing. And again, I think if you have the right tools and you have the right partners, and if you put somebody in place on your team to to build the affiliate program, like attract publishers, um, uh, give them the right marketing material and the right assets to actually you know connect with consumers in their network. Um, and you find all these unique opportunities to partner with them. It, it's 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 a it's like almost like icing on the cake, right? There's 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 just uh, that extra bit of revenue that you don't have a lot of overhead on, right? There there are a lot of net opportunities where it's just your product feed or it's just your products, and you're not giving out advertising spend or or, or 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 special discounts or anything along those lines. But you're just paying the commission to your pub- your publisher partners, and and ultimately, I think you can you can capitalize on that and make a a good chunk of money off of it. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, so if you're in a good category for it, if you've got the right margins and other things, I suppose that, and for traditional at least uh, affiliate marketing online, I found that there were a few cost centers. So you had the commissions or whatever, yep. uh, whatever it was that you were going to be paying as some kind of referral fee bonus, whatever it was, you know. Uh, some kind of bounty to the uh, affiliate that was driving you the traffic that generated that that lead or that sale. So that was one cost center. The next was the platform because people didn't run their own. They would go through a share sale or commission junction or some major, you know, record. There was somebody in between. And so they were getting some kind of fees or override on top of everything. So that was the second cost center. And the, the third cost center um, was going to be, which you, you described a little bit as well, somebody's got to manage this whole thing. So oh, someone yeah. has to be out there creating the uh, the calls to action that are going to drive, the, interest these publishers, and in some cases, giving them the the banners, the ad text, the different things that they can use in their marketing and their newsletters or social media or other places uh, 
So you've got to give them creatives and things. So now, you know, you've got someone either on your side or a consultant or agency or, or someone that's helping with that. And that's a third cost center. And, you know, so where it went, where people start thinking about affiliate is, oh, it's just like, you know, uh, I'm just paying for performance that either there's a sale and I pay or there isn't. Well, there are a few extra cost centers involved to really make it work. Because just listing yourself in an affiliate network itself, which also has fees, of course, but it's not enough to just automatically have publishers and folks and influencers come, you know, knocking on your door and droves lined up around the block saying, yeah, we we want to promote this. You've still got to attract them through the network. You've got to engage in outreach. It's, uh, It's an interesting beast. It is. It is. And, and I, I couldn't agree more. I think, I think, and this goes not just for affiliate marketing, right? I think, I think merchants, really any business owners these days, they often, especially small business owners, you know, um, I even see this in the restaurant industry a lot, right? Um, that although they're, they're great business people, they, they often don't look far ahead enough to, to think about those additional cost centers that, that, they wouldn't have even thought about initially, right? And that you you speak with a business owner, you know, you know, for example, an e-commerce merchant, and you start to to describe these things, and they they finally start to realize it, right? It's like the light bulbs are going off. I'm like, oh, okay, oh, all right. There, I did need you, to do more. There was going to be more of a cost, and of course, of course, there is. But yeah. if, if and I, right. I, you know, they needed to be ready to engage in this for six months, for a year, exactly. to really test it out and build up properly. And if not, you know, you're it's probably not a great investment of, of time and resource. Uh, that, I find that for most campaigns here, we talked about, you know, without tracking, these ads are, you know, aren't going to be per- particularly performant when we, you know, talk about the ad networks. You can't run ads for a week and determine failure right. or success. That's going to give you some initial data of things that obviously you want to, you know, adjust, cut out, you know, et cetera. But it should also be leading you toward things that were a little bit more promising. And again, a week is not really much data. You know, I, I like to look Fair at enough. you know a few months 30 days, of, at least. Yeah, thirty days you know. at least. So you know, and again, that's just to start optimizing. That's not yes. to reach. Uh, now, some people get lucky and it's profitable right off the bat. But you know, I, I find if you don't come at it with a few months of ad spend and budget and uh, and plan to work at it, that you know, is probably not the right kind of marketing for you. The same way that if you don't come at SEO with a long-term plan, right? you know, really, <laughs> what are you doing with it? It's data, uh, data, data, test, 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 data, 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 test, test, and it's a vicious cycle. It just goes on and on and on. Uh, in the end, I will, I will always land on the same exact thing. And it's the best piece of advice I could possibly give to any merchant or any business owner that's going to run any kind of advertising or marketing, right? It's all about data-driven insights, right? Do not do anything. Do not make a change. Don't don't and, and don't have that you know that excited like oh my god we just had a fantastic you know uh, two day stretch with our ad campaigns. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. And then give it a give it a, give it a little while. Return back to the data and use the numbers to tell you the story. Right. The story is there. If if you and maybe and you know what? Uh, granted, not everybody's great at reading data. Not everybody's great at analytics. But if you can focus on that and, and, and learn it and, and invest enough of your time into it, you're going to find the, 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 the answers. You're going to find the truth is in the data. Yeah, it, it's numbers. It's not it's a numbers game. It's <laughs> yeah, a numbers game. That, that's all, you know, when it comes to that, that kind of data. And, you know, I, I do want to ask, because 
part of what you've described of how your company works, you know, you provide tool sets that help users to submit data and optimize and do things. How often are are you working directly with merchants and, and how often are you working with partner agencies and others that are leveraging your tools and working with their clients, um, you know, providing those resources? Because I know that not everyone has this expertise in-house. So, you know, yeah, not sure, everyone's comfortable or confident or has the time realistically to invest into doing this stuff right. Do you find that um, that a, a good chunk of, of your clientele work with some kind of third party that leverages your tools? I'd say more so that we're, we work with more merchants one-on-one for sure, right? I mean, we are a technology first company, right? We're also a people first company. Um, ultimately, we're able to do things and we're able to offer a far more cost efficient and cost effective um, support network for our merchants because we are technology first. Um, but that isn't to say that we don't pass that along, right? We, we have plenty of partner agencies and partner uh, um, marketers that utilize our platform to help their merchants grow. Um, but again, we, we, we not only offer you know, this, this technology and SaaS platform for merchants to do it them on their own and, and self-managed and all the guidance support 100% free, no strings attached to help them in their journey. But we have this unbelievable team of, of, of specialists that are heavily dedicated to driving business forward. And it's not about... It's not about data and numbers. It's not about, you know, and, to, and this is just truth and honesty here. Um, it is not about uh, uh, ROAS. It's, it's, it's really about connecting with our merchants on a, on a personal level, understanding their business, understanding the challenges that they're facing, and, and really going above and beyond to make sure that we can not just drive effective uh, advertising campaigns and profitability, that we can partner with them in a way that we can absorb enough of their business into our own strategies and goals to do more than just drive traffic and, and, and increase profitability, right? It's, it's about knowing everything from their margins to what their, t- what their audience is like, what they're doing on-site, as we've talked about conversion rate optimization, how, what we can do to, to guide them or, or do better by them, right? But also finding partners and, and partner organizations that what we're great at. You know, we're great at PPC. We're great at uh, helping merchants list and advertise their products online. But we're not, we don't do this. We don't do hosting. We don't do customer loyalty. That's just that's just not what we do. So being able to partner with other organizations like JetRails to to better support the merchant throughout their entire experience, I mean, that is also pinnacle and crucial to uh, our goal as an organization as well. Yeah. You know, uh, obviously, we have a lot in common there that, <laughs> you know, uh, as web hosts, you know, if the infrastructure, if, if the groundwork isn't operating well, if it's not fast and secure and scalable and reliable and and if it's not flexible enough to host what the client is trying to develop and create these these custom sites and such, uh, these unique tailored sites, that you know nothing else is going <laughs> to really matter. That's right. um, but at the same time, you know all those other things have to come together for us to you know to be able to do our our jobs, and that's why we very much you know in, in a very similar way we believe that. It's not just about clouds and servers and and software tools. It's about people. That's right. That's we're about there people. to understand what people's needs are, how we're going to help them grow, and and how they're going to sleep well at night. And you know, we've got a mission that has a lot more to do with working directly w- with merchants and solving their needs and being proactive about it um, than it does about throwing hardware at problems. That's right. Um, 
you know, so I, it, it sounds, <laughs> it sounds very, very similar. And that's why we, you know, have these relationships with others because we know that our clients need the right, uh, right. the right tech stack and providers to grow and thrive that we can give them, um, the infrastructure that they can do it with, but, um, they really need to then, um, be able to, to do those things. So, um, before we wrap up, is there anything Aww. that, oh, don't worry, we'll have an after party. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you mean, the, you mean the iguanas, right? Yeah. Hey, 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 I, you know, it, I have lost count of how many of those I've got here in, in Florida. Okay, this invasive species that just decided that uh, that they all wanted to move in. <laughs> They're all over the backyard. Um, any any final words of wisdom? Anything coming down the pike in in the space? Uh, anything we didn't touch on that the same way that we somehow for, almost forgot to talk about tagging <laughs> and, and tracking and the middle. Okay, um, great. We caught that at the right time though. Um, yeah, you know, I look, I think, you know, the, the industry is evolving and it, and it is growing in, an, in, a, in a faster rate than it ever has, right? COVID accelerated everything six, 10 years in the future. You saw Toby Lukey from Shopify say this. You've seen Brent Baum over for Big Commerce saying a lot of this. You've seen, uh, you know, uh, Google saying this. You saw the changes that they're bringing in Google Marketing Live. I mean, um, if I had to really end with anything, it's it's really stay informed, right? Uh it's it's hard. It's noisy. It's it's there's a lot going on out there. But the more informed you are, and the more you stay on top of the changes, the better you know prepared you're going to be to to support these changes, right? And and if you have the right partners and you have the right people uh, that you're working with to make those things happen, um, as long as you know or you're you're trying to stay on top of the constantly changing environment and ecosystem, I think you know ultimately you're just you're you're going to be ready for what's on, what's coming down the pipeline. Uh, we have a lot of exciting things coming down. We have a lot of big um, uh, launches coming out soon. You know, stay tuned for Q4. We have some some new features, some new integrations coming out. Um, I'm excited for them. And ultimately, uh, I'm excited to continue to help merchants and, and companies grow. Awesome. Well, as always, a pleasure chatting with you, which we'll continue to do a little bit more off yes. camera. Stay uh, tuned for episode two. Yeah, um, everyone in, in the episode description, I'm gonna anything that he says that's uh, that's worth hearing after this. I'm gonna be sure to quote him directly on uh, against <laughs> his will. <laughs> um, just put my cell phone right in there, and you just got a question, just call me. Right? You know, if, if anyone really does have questions, I will get you in touch with, with Tony. <laughs> but um, as always, thank you for for your time today always and to our audience. Yeah, you know, uh, we appreciate you tuning in for this episode. We'll have more great content like this for you soon. And in the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and happy sailing out there. Thanks for listening to the JetRails podcast. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We also post full videos of most episodes on the JetRails YouTube and Facebook channels. You can find links at jetrails.com forward slash podcast. Have questions about an episode? Is there a topic you'd like us to cover in the future? We're at JetRails on LinkedIn and Twitter. Do you want to sponsor this podcast? Sorry, but we're committed to ad-free listening. We are, however, always looking for guests that our listeners will benefit from. And don't forget to like the podcast on whatever platform you're tuning in from. It's a small ask, but it's a big help. We appreciate it. And more importantly, we appreciate you.